Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I always get excited. I don't even need iced tea today because I'm pumped about talking about our Catholic faith with a successor of the Apostle, Bishop Joseph Strickland of the Diocese of Tyler. And Bishop Strickland, I know that probably um, is, I mean, you hear it all the time. Yeah, you're a successor of the Apostle. I don't know about you, but I think that is so beautiful that our church has this apostolic succession for 2,000 years of perennial teachings of the church. That, to me, is uh, something beautiful that we need to remind us all of that. So welcome to the show again, Bishop Strickland. Thanks, Terry. We have the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We're going to be getting to that. But before we do it, if this is your first time, and uh, just... I just, I'm going to say it because we're not on YouTube right now. We got kicked off for two weeks uh, because um, I said I did a show yesterday uh, regarding um, the issue of pornography. And I was saying how bad it is. That's the real pandemic. And uh, I also talked about the fact that uh, the commandments sometimes are like the Ten Commandments. We will do these on radio and then... Uh, sometimes the media people like YouTube will get all upset at me because I asked Bishop Strickland to do the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, and we're told that offends the audience. But the pornography that's on, that doesn't offend the audience. That's how bad things have gotten. So I think we need to continue just to teach the truth in charity because, um, you know, for as long as we can because we don't know how much longer we will be have we will have to share the gospel in a way with using the media. So we'll just continue like uh, we just business as usual because um, we cannot be quiet. We can't be silent when it comes to teaching people the gospel, the good news of Jesus. But Bishop Strickland, you have some tweets here. You did tweet something here regarding, and I'll just say you didn't say his name, but um, it was Bishop, uh, it was Cardinal Burke. Uh, You said, this is a very clear Catholic teaching for every person let us pray during this octave of Easter that, that those who have essentially opposed Catholic teaching will repent and their sins and return to full communion. Their salvation depends on it. Now, we're talking about Bishop Strick, uh, excuse me, Arch- Cardinal Burke saying that these, uh, these politicians, and I would even go so far as anybody who's at odds with the Catholic Church on mor- moral issues, whether it's contraception, abortion, um, they've left the church in the sense that they are not in full communion to be able to receive Holy Communion. Now, I didn't say it. I happen to agree with Cardinal Burke. He's saying, and this is a canon lawyer who's saying it, that uh, the headlines is, uh, they're an apostasy and an automatic excommunication. Now, I just find that uh, shocking and also rewarding that a cardinal in our church, who's in his 70s, is going to be meeting Jesus soon, but... He's been saying this for several years that the the politicians should not be receiving Holy Communion. He quotes Benedict XVI. He quotes John Paul II, the Great, with Veritatis Splendor. He has everything lined up, but this is a controversial statement, Bishop Strickland, and I know you agree with it, but what are your thoughts about a cardinal coming out and stating this as clearly as he did? Well... Like we said earlier, he's doing his job. He's being a pastor, Mm -hmm. not attacking anyone, but teaching the truth. It's the greatest charity to teach the truth. Mm. That's what Christ shows us constantly in his ministry. He is truth incarnate, 
and he's constantly bringing people the truth. And he was, Christ was threatened, you know, really throughout his ministry. It wasn't just at his passion and death, but throughout the, the three years of his public ministry, people didn't like to hear the truth sometimes. And the it's still the case. And I believe that what Cardinal Burke speaks of, really, we have to remember, applies to everyone. The greatest charity is to tell people, if you're opposing what the church teaches, the greatest charity is to tell people and say, if that's the case, whether you're a politician or wh whoever you are, um, just a private citizen, if you're opposing church teaching, it's not appropriate to be receiving communion. Um, because the word says communion, yeah. a common union, a, a coming together. And so we need to encourage people. And certainly we're all sinners and we need to repent, yep. but we're called and challenged to do our very best to be in line with Christ and with his church before we commune with him in communion. That's what Cardinal Burke is saying. Yes, it's it's high-profile politicians that he's referring to, yeah. but it really applies to every person. And as I've said before, Terry, yeah. we talk. I think there's a great need for reverence yeah. toward the Blessed Sacrament because lack of reverence creates lack of belief and lack of respect for our Lord present on that altar present in that ciborium as a priest or deacon or layperson is there offering the body of Christ to the people that are coming forward communion for communion. The greatest reverence that any of us can offer is a clean heart and to, to humbly acknowledge mm -hmm. that I'm a sinner and to do my best to repent, to go to confession and to approach receiving our Lord with the cleanest heart possible, that is reverence. Certainly there, there are other aspects of reverence, but that's where it starts. And I think there's a, a serious irreverence, lack of respect to the Lord, where people maybe haven't been to confession in years. And sadly, that they're doing what they were told. Yeah. Because for a long time, when I was first in the seminary, back in the 70s, yeah. people were told, Oh, you don't need to go confession if you unless you've c committed a serious sin. Yeah. And you've probably heard as I have. I have. Well, I haven't killed anybody, so I don't need to <laughs> go to confession. And certainly, you know, murder is a serious sin, but there are other serious sins. And really, Terry, I think it, it opens the door for a spiritual reflection for all of us. Yeah. We say when we were just before the bishop... Pope Francis, all of us say those same words with the congregation. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and I shall be healed. The, we need to really think about what we're saying and acknowledge that we need to be as worthy as possible. We're never going to really be worthy, but we need to be working at it and eliminating serious sin and then doing our best to eliminate all sin from our lives. It's a lifelong journey, but that is 
growing in worthiness, and then the Lord will help us to be stronger. And it's it's a relationship with him that allows us to grow in sanctity. We need to do that right here and now, as long as we're breathing. It's not about just being holy so that when we die, we can go to heaven. You know, it's not something we can postpone because we don't know when our world's going to end. So really, it all comes together very logically to, to follow Jesus Christ. But we resist it. Each of us does in our own sinfulness and society resists it because too many people don't don't really believe in or want to pay any attention to the Christian ethic that we're called to live. Well, I think you just said it at the end when you said they don't believe. Uh, there's a lack of belief in the real presence. If if that Holy Communion is just a piece of bread, then what's the big deal about receiving it if I'm in a second marriage or if I'm for abortion because it's just a piece of bread? And unfortunately, Bishop Strickland, I hate to be so critical, but we have songs that are sung in our Catholic Church that says incorrectly that Jesus is in the bread and the wine. No, he's under the appearance of bread and wine. And so I think our lack of precise language and also our lack of reverence has encouraged this, like, well, what's the big deal? Receiving Christ in the—I mean, he's a symbol. This is— what unfortunately has happened, and I think you made a comment before the show to me, and I was inspired when you said other brother bishops are saying not only are we, uh, you know, we're we're trying to get you know our politicians to be right with the uh, with the church on things, but can you repeat to me? I don't need names, but the fact that they're saying we need to teach the politicians their faith because many of them are Catholic and are not teaching anything close to what the Catholic Church teaches. Absolutely. Uh, our One of our primary jobs as priests and bishops is to teach, teach, govern, and sanctify. And we need to do a better job. And I was glad to hear one of our bishops Good. saying that and saying, we need to really, pay. They're, they're children of God. Yep. Even if they don't believe in God, they're yeah. still God's children. And out of the greatest charity, as shepherds, as teachers, we need to really take that approach of putting our energy into teaching people the truth and then letting them get on with business, get on with medicine, get on with politics, get on with all the endeavors that make our complex society work. I've fully endorsed the idea that we need to teach more Mm -hmm. and it's frustrating, I'm sure, for, for all bishops and priests when we take the approach that we've got to get hands on about fixing business and fixing politics and fixing everything, then we're not going to, we're not making much progress there. I think we need to teach those who are doing that. They're not always going to listen, but that's our role. And we have to trust that the grace of God is there also to change hearts. Talking about teaching. When we come back, we're going to jump into the catechism of the Catholic church. We'll be right back with more of the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Bishop Strickland doesn't know I'm going to do this to him, but I'm going to quote Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who he has a great respect for. 
because it just made me think what he was saying. And then I, I looked, I got my quotable Sheen out. It says, Bishop Sheen says, hey, hey, Mr. Engineer, can you play that clip about a full Sheen ahead for me? Is that too late? Okay, here's what he says. He says, we can lose our souls not only by doing evil, but also by neglecting the good. That hit me like a ton of bricks, Bishop Strickland, because sins of omission, where we don't commission omission, where we're not out there uh, when we can have an opportunity, it seems to me that not only the bishops, the priests, but we lay people have to speak out also to not just public officials, but to people at work. It's time to really uh, teach people the faith. And it's funny, Bishop Strickland, the Catechism of the Catholic Church does just that. And in my humble opinion, I'm wanting to teach baptized Catholics first before I go outside and even share it with my non-Catholic friends. Because you know what I'm noticing, Bishop Strickland? My baptized Catholics have such a limited knowledge of their faith that I believe that we evangelize inside the church and then we can evangelize outside. Am I onto something or do you think I'm reversing the order? No, I, I think you're right. We all need to be more committed to Christ. Mm. And that comes through catechesis, evangelization, yeah. prayer. Mm. And we need to, to support and encourage that because too many, um, and sadly, through society, through the church, not focusing on teaching. Yeah. A lot of people have been taught that, oh, being Catholic is just sort of belonging to a club and it's a group <laughs> and it's not about deeply held beliefs. But really, the, the Catholic Church in her beauty is about what is human life? What is creation about? What are we here for? What is our origin and our destiny? And a lot of the saints talk about the reality that we come from God and we're called to return to God. We're created in the image and likeness of God. That's good news. That's joyful, a joyful message. And we just need to find all the ways we can to, to teach because people learn one message or the other. Yeah, that's... People have learned in, in modern culture what's valuable and what's not because they they absorb that. And when it's not the truth that they learn, it becomes more and more harmful and destructive. And we're seeing that unfold as people have learned that wealth and fame and pleasure are the great things in life. Are we in a better place? I don't see that. And I think many people don't see that. It's all becomes a facade that covers up a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of agony that people are in, in all kinds of aspects of life, because they don't know the truth. And people are despairing in this COVID time, because they don't know who they are. They don't know that they are valuable and precious in the eyes of God, and they should be precious to each other as in the human family. Um, people just don't know the truth. And it really, just as we say, the scriptures say, the truth sets us free. Not, not knowing the truth is like putting shackles on the human person. It binds us to a darkness that can destroy us. Never has to. We can, by our own free will, we can choose to turn back to the light. But we've got to make that choice. 
And it's our job, yours and mine, mm-hmm. in different ways. Yeah. But each baptized Christian, and certainly for us as Catholics who have the fullness of Christ, word and sacrament, we have an obligation. And that's basically what I'm living out is the best I can, very imperfectly, very weakly at times. But I have an obligation to share the truth that I believe and know is is what sets us free. To to keep that hidden and to say, oh well, just go along and get along. We've done we've done too much of that. And it's when it's destructive of the person, that's not love. To just say, oh well, if you want to take that poison, just go ahead. That's your choice. We've got to at least say, no, that's poison. Stop. If they choose to ignore us, that's one thing. But to choose to be silent, that sin of omission, I think it's it's very pervasive throughout society at every level, not to just blame leaders, but everyone. Mm-hmm. We all have a leadership role if Christ has given us the faith that guides us. You know, Bishop Strickland, while I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of a book by Cardinal Ratzinger, <clears throat> 1985, called The Ratzinger Report. And he said pretty much what you just said. It's really interesting It all comes back. He talks about the problem of our ecclesiology. It's a big word for those who don't. It's the church. How do you see the church? Do you see it as an optimist club or the bride of Christ? And I think that's something you don't get unless you're taught that the church is the bride of Christ. But how many people my age and under were never taught that? And that's one of our challenges that we have. But let's get to uh, our catechism, if we can. Paragraph 151, it's headline, To Believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the thing that, uh, again, we're baptized Catholics, but uh, so many of us haven't met Jesus Christ. I mean that. I talk to them and they say, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm Catholic, and that's the extent of it. So I want to take them by the hand and say, okay, well, let's study your faith so you get to know the person of Christ through study and prayer, like Bishop Strickland just said, bring them into the Blessed Sacrament to see, you know, to be there with Jesus. Uh, this is what I think we need to do. But let's get to paragraph uh, 151. It says, and then, I'll let, and then Bishop Strickland gives a little commentary on it. For a Christian, believing in God cannot be separated from believing in the one he sent his beloved son, in whom the father is well pleased. God tells us to listen to him. The Lord himself said to his disciples, believe in God, believe also in me. We can believe in Jesus Christ because he is himself God. The word made flesh. No one has ever seen God, the only Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known because he has seen the Father. Jesus Christ is the only one who knows him and can reveal him. Man, Bishop Strickland, that paragraph has a lot to say in that one little paragraph about Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And it's several quotes from sacred scripture right, right there, yep. just one after another. Yep. And as it says very clearly, and I think that is Christianity, yep. to believe in God and to believe in his beloved son, 
Jesus Christ, the one he sent, and to listen to him. I mean, really, in, in many ways, that paragraph captures, we were talking about Catholics not understanding right. what being Catholic means. It means that. <laughs> it means that paragraph. We are the people who believe in God, who believe in his son, yep. and we listen to God telling us, listen to him. And listen to him means live the commandments. I, I liked a line from the readings from this past Sunday mm-hmm. where it says, the commandments of God are not burdensome. I could talk a long time about that because so much that is broken in our world right now in our society with cancel culture and all the things going on politically yeah. and in the church yeah. and throughout the world mm-hmm. It's because too many people have decided the commandments of God, the truth that they bring us, are burdensome. People have decided it's burdensome to know the truth of who we are and to believe that we're created in the image and likeness of God, male and female, he created us. Mm -hmm. It's not burdensome. It really sets us free. It gives us joy. It helps us to know the purpose that we were born for to flourish in this life, and to know God in eternity. Um, So really, this paragraph captures the true meaning of being Catholic. Yes. It's not just a club, but it's, it goes to the very fabric of what life is about and who we are. And it's a joyful message. If we listen to Jesus, what does he tell us? He tells us, that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He tells us that we will be fulfilled by these commandments. He tells us that he is going to suffer and bear a cross and that we have to carry our cross with him to be his disciples. All of that is a joyful message of of union with, with the Son of God, who then... He is the way, the truth, and the life, as I'm sure we've said before as we talk. Originally, Christianity was called the way. And I think that's a beautiful, simple reminder. This is the way. What this paragraph talks about is the way to live life, the way to our eternal destiny, the way to navigate whatever obstacles we face today and tomorrow. And all of us do face obstacles. We, we're disappointed. We fail in things. We, we make wrong decisions. I would imagine every man and woman out there, if they're honest with themselves, will say, yeah, I messed up there and I made the wrong decision. And maybe I was silent when I should have spoken up or maybe I spoke up and, and said the wrong thing. Uh, we all make mistakes, but... If we look to Jesus more and more, we will, because he is the way, the truth and the life, we will, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get better. We'll, we'll make fewer mistakes. We'll get holier. Um, Probably we've all known older people. And as we're talking, we're about the same age and (laughs) people think we're older people, which we are, but there are people significantly older than us. Yeah that have grown in wisdom and used their experience to really help 
to guide their family, to guide their community of friends, to guide the, the, the community they're, that they're a part of. And that's the beauty of being open to the truth and seeking to be changed by it more and more. Well said. I know we're going to take a quick break, but here's an example of knowing the truth about life. Ask a person who's in suffering, and when they look at their suffering and they have no understanding of how they could have redemptive suffering and uniting it with Jesus Christ, they have like wasted pain, and it's very painful. Then look at a person who has the faith in Jesus Christ who says, you know what? I'm going to unite this suffering for the salvation of souls. That's what we're talking about, having that kind of meaning and purpose of life. That makes life worth living. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're going to come back and talk more about the meaning and purpose of life through the Catechism of the Catholic Church, because what's our purpose? To help bring you to the knowledge of love of Jesus Christ and his bride, the Church. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I'm going to make a confession here. When I was a teenager, about 19, 18 years of age, our, uh, we had a group of altar boys at a parish, and about nine or ten of us would stay up on Friday nights and have pizza, and we would open up a catechism of the Catholic Church, and we would study our catechism because the priest who was at our parish uh, really encouraged us to study our faith, and are you ready for this, Bishop Strickland? You're going to laugh when I tell you this. We're teenagers. You know what catechism we were studying? The ba Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> How did you know? That was, yeah, I never. Have I ever told you that? Sorry? I don't think so. No way. No way. I don't tell many. But the point of it is, I, we had a love for thirst for knowledge. And we wanted to know, we wanted answers. And that's what the catechism does. It gives us a set of really clear answers on the faith. All right, let's, let's shift gears down to paragraph 152. And if you don't have a catechism, I've already been giving them out. <laughs> I'll give more out. Call me at uh, my cell number, 661-972-7872, and I'll get you a good catechism. I'll get you the Baltimore, actually. All right, paragraph 152, to believe in the Holy Spirit. One cannot believe in Jesus Christ without sharing his, in his spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who reveals to men who Jesus is. For no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, who searches everything, even to the depths of God. No one can comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Only God knows God completely. <laughs> That's beautiful. We believe in the Holy Spirit because he is God. Wow. <laughs> Bishop Strickland, I, I, before you respond to that, I, I just really love that quote right out of Scripture, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Woo! Yeah, it again gets to the very basics of, of what we believe. Yeah. And you see that with the apostles. We're here in the Easter season where we read about, I love the readings from the Acts of the Apostles. It's really one of my favorite Me too. Uh, books in sacred scripture because it's, it shows, it illustrates exactly what our faith is. Yep. And you see the transformation yep. in these 11 men 
Peter and the rest of the apostles that were sort of a ragtag group, as we're a ragtag group now. Amen. <laughs> but, but after they receive, after Pentecost, and even before that, but especially after Pentecost, they they really are literally on fire with the Spirit. And I reflect on that a lot. I think through the ages, we've tended to let those fires kind of dwindle. The Holy Spirit, what I, sometimes people say we need a new Pentecost. I disagree. I, I believe we need to live Pentecost yeah. in a new way. Amen. Just the way the apostles did. It's the same Holy Spirit. Yep. And we've talked about it before, but one of, I mean, we need supernatural faith. Amen. We need to really believe what Scripture says. Yep. We need to believe that the sacraments are signs of Christ that really carry an effect with them of healing, of nourishing, of forgiveness, of, of strengthening, of helping us to, to live a commitment, whatever the sacrament is, or washing us clean of sin and giving us that original gift of the life of the Spirit. But we need to really believe what the church teaches. Mm -hmm. And reading scripture, especially the Acts of the Apostles, to put ourselves in those scenes oh, yeah. and to really nurture that belief because the world doesn't. The world counteracts it and says, oh, that's not scientific or that's impossible or all of the ways that the world wants to reject this truth. I think we need um, childlike, not childish, but the child. I mean, Christ tells us. That's right. If you don't accept this like children, you aren't going to be saved. Yeah. You aren't going to be part of those in salvation. And it's it's humbling. It's it's just the truth that that God is so far beyond us, but he's reached out to us with his son and the father and the son send their spirit to to guide us through the ages. Um, and that's the reason that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, even though they seem to be rattling like crazy, oh, yeah. and and many people are walking away. Many people are apostatizing or are really turning their back on their faith and deciding that, well, they may reject the label Catholic or they may not. But if you're rejecting basic teaching of the church, you're rejecting the faith. Yeah. And you can't really say that you are living what these two paragraphs are talking about if you're not listening to the Son of God and if you're not being seeking to be guided humbly by the Holy Spirit. Just to read that again, what we just, you read already. Sure. For no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's quoting 1 Corinthians chapter 12. No one can even say Jesus is Lord. We need to think deeply about that and really be reminded that even that level of faith mm -hmm. is a gift yes. of the Holy Spirit. We have to open our hearts to those gifts and use our minds, use our ability to learn and to grow and to continue to, to nurture that. But sadly, I think especially a lot of young people 
go in the opposite direction. They say, oh, I don't really believe this. And then they begin to nurture their doubt and their disbelief by reading things of the world and be, by getting caught up more and more in sin and in denying that there's such a thing as redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they just get on a path that takes them further and further from the truth of Jesus Christ. And, you know, that takes us right to the next paragraph about um, faith is a grace. And I always said this, that ask Jesus Christ for a stronger faith every single day as part of your, you know, getting up in the morning. First, thank God for the, for the new day, but ask him for stronger faith. If you don't do that, your faith will be weak. But paragraph 153 says, When St. Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus declared to him that this revelation did not come from flesh and blood, but from my Father who is in heaven. Faith is a gift of God. What you just said, a supernatural virtue infused by him. Before this faith can be exercised, man must have the grace of God. What? To move and assist him. This is how it works. He must have the interior help of the Holy Spirit who moves the heart and converts it to God, who opens the eyes of the mind and makes it easy for all to accept and believe the truth. Wow, that's a mouthful. That's how it works. Your thoughts? Well, as Christ says to Peter, you didn't receive this from flesh and blood. Right. What that speaks to me of, and it says it in the next line, supernatural. Flesh and blood are of this world, of this creation. But we have to know that there is something beyond that, something deeper, something invisible, something that that is beyond creation, the supernatural truth. And I think that in our age, because probably more than ever before, we have a lot of data figured out of how the natural world works. Mm -hmm. I mean, you plant a seed and we know the enzymes and all the intricate things that have been happening since creation began. (laughs) But we think because we've figured so much out that all truth is just natural. It's all just part of this creation and that there is no supernatural truth. And when we go down that path, we really lose we lose who we are because we are natural and supernatural beings. That's right. The there's a the life of God that is planted in us, created in in his image and likeness. So to focus only on nature begins to reduce us to a a, a series of molecular um operations and chemical reactions right and that is a very poor that is an impoverished understanding (laughs) of the human person that really is tragic it is but you're saying too many people see humanity in those terms and they say well we can manipulate it however we want because it's just a bunch of chemicals and it's a bunch of molecular reactions and we can alter those and we can turn ourselves from this to that and then back to this and that again. And we can be a different entity every day if we want to. That's what the world says. 
And it is so impoverished. Amen. It is so empty to forget that supernatural component of the human person. I'm just saying amen to everything you said, because I think of my truth. You know, people say, that's my truth. You know, you got your truth. I got my truth. No, Jesus Christ is the truth. And I think that uh, you said it such, just in such a charitable way. I'm going to have to quote you on that because I, I sometimes I'm not as charitable as telling people that, you know, you, you're no arbitrator of truth. You don't know. I mean, you're human. You know, but I appreciate you saying it in such a delicate and such a straightforward way also. Hey, before we take a quick break, Bishop Strickland, tell us a little bit about your institute here in Tyler, Texas, please. Well, the St. Philip Institute uh, was founded about four years ago, and it's really, it's a huge job it has uh, to teach the truth in a world that doesn't want it. Yeah. Even for too many times, even we who call ourselves Catholic and are believers, when truth, when the truth gets tough, we want to go the other direction. Right. But Christ shows us that when the truth gets tough, we need him more than ever. And that's what the St. Philip Institute is working to share the truth whether we're ready to receive it or not, because we need it. Amen. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back with more The Catechism of the Catholic Church. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Talking uh, paragraph 154 now from the Catechism of the Catholic Faith, uh, titled Faith is a Human Act. Think about this. Faith is a human act. Paragraph 154. Believing is possible, this is the key, only by the grace and the interior helps of the Holy Spirit. But it is no less true that believing is a authentically human act. See, free will. But it is no less true that believing is an authentically human act. Trusting in God, cleaving to the truths he has revealed are contrary neither to human freedom nor to human reason. Even in human relations, it is not contrary to our dignity to believe what other persons tell us about themselves and their intentions or to trust their promises. For example... When a man and a woman marry to share a communion of life with one another. If this is so, still less is it to contrary to the dignity to yield by faith the full submission of intellect and will to God who reveals and to share in an interior communion with him. Boy, Bishop Strickland, go ahead and share that. That's, that's a lot of good material. I'm all ears. Woo. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty uh, packed with with meaning. Yeah, and it it just a reminder. Of probably a lot of people as we read this, yeah, aren't sure what a human act is, mm. but Good it point. really Good point. ties in to what we what I've repeated sure. just this time several times is to be human is to be a a being 
created in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. And to a human act means that we're using our intellect, as it mentions, free will, human freedom, and human reason. It's using our God-given brain, yeah. our God-given ability to choose what we do, mm -hmm. choose right and wrong. Um, it's using all of that to say, I believe what God says. I believe his son. We, I think we talked about it last week. Yeah. The, the, um, in the Regina Chaley hymn, Resurrexit Sicudixit, mm -hmm. which in Latin, I mean, it basically just says he rose because he said he would. Yeah. So faith is believing what God the Father said, this is my son, and listen to him. Faith is also believing what the Son said. Faith is believing that they sent their Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us, each of us, from our baptism. We are blessed with the Holy Spirit. So all of that is a choice. Yeah. We hear a lot about choice yeah. in our society and people being free to choose whatever. That God doesn't force us no. to do anything. And that free will is one of those basic aspects of the sanctity of our lives. Anytime any entity or any individual tries to take the free will of another person away, I mean, there. thank God there are limits on that. And the martyrs really illustrate that ultimately no one can force us to change our heart, right. to change our interior belief. And by definition, martyrs die, offer up their physical life rather than allow someone to take their free will choice to believe in Jesus Christ and to follow him. So God respects that. And even though sometimes humanity doesn't in, in dictatorships and in times of persecution of those who believe, um, but God always respects our free will. That's part of the mystery of being created in his image and likeness. And it's it's part of the mystery of, of the brokenness in our world. Yeah. But if we didn't have free will, then we're not really human. Yep. We aren't able to act differently. Animals don't have free will. Right. They have instincts and they react to their environment and they can they can be beautiful or they can be deadly, but they're not choosing a snake that bites someone and kills them, it's not the snake. It may look like it. Sometimes we may feel like that animal's after me, but that animal is not choosing. I'm going to go kill that person. Mm -hmm. Only human beings can make that kind of choice. And that's what this is talking about. It's a human act to believe because we're using our free will and reason yeah. to, to listen, to discern what we've heard, and to make the free will choice. I believe. And I'm going to live accordingly. Certainly, we don't do that perfectly, and we sort of hedge on that belief in, in our sinfulness, but that's what believing people do is say, I've read God's Word, I've heard it preached, and I believe it. Amen. And I want to, to live a life that corresponds with that belief. Well said. I think of what Bishop Sheen would have said. He probably would have said something like, the only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. 
And that's what Bishop Strickland is saying. And that's beautiful. Free will. <clears throat> Paragraph 155 is short. We just have a few more minutes here, but I'll go through it. In faith, the human intellect and the will cooperate with divine grace. Believing is an act of the intellect, assenting to the divine truth by command of the will moved by God through grace. You've said that. That, that, that sentence basically explains the me- mechanism of what we're doing. We're, we're, you know, and Bishop Strickland, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't really a lot of this come down to turning your life over to Christ? Our Protestant brothers have something of value to say about that. In other words, I don't want to do my will. I want to do God's will in my life. And when I do that, I believe that God gives us supernatural graces to respond to that. Absolutely. And you're right that our Protestant brothers and sisters, those of other Christian communities, really, they they have a lot of of Mm -hmm. good things to share. And a lot of what I hear emphasized that I very much support and we as Catholics need to embrace as well. We have the fullness, but they have some language sometimes Mm -hmm. that is is helpful. I agree. Taking Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior Amen. is what this is about. Amen. It is a personal choice. He's a person, we're a person, and we're embracing, saying, I believe in that person, and ultimately, I'm going to do my best to live my life in accord with what the person, Jesus Christ, says, and be willing to even die for his truth. And that relationship, that personal relationship is critical because I think that's where mm-hmm. a lot of Catholics wander away because they've never developed that personal relationship. And then the world tells them all oh, these things the Catholic Church says are true. It's depersonalized. It's not connected to their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's easier for them to walk away. And certainly that happens in any of the Christian communities, not just Catholics, but if you don't continue to nurture that relationship for you as a person with the person of Jesus Christ, it's easy to disconnect it. And all of us find probably multiple teachings of Christ challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but the personal relationship we have says we want to be true to our Lord and Savior. So it makes it maybe still not easy, but much more doable to because we believe in Jesus Christ, we have that personal relationship. It's the same in a marriage. That's right. To to really be faithful to your wife is easier when when your relationship, your personal relationship is strong. It's not just living some rules, but it's living in relationship with that person that you don't want to disappoint, you don't want to hurt, you don't want to live in a way that's contrary to that commitment you have. The same applies to Christ. Or for myself as a priest, my commitment is Christ and his church. And it's the same kind of personal relationship commitment that the world really needs profoundly. And we need people that stay committed to whatever commitment, whatever relationship they have. And the ultimate relationship for all of us is that relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ, strengthened by their Holy Spirit. Sign me up, Bishop Strick. I love it. You know, when I'm listening to you, I, I think of Catholics who are, are lukewarm, so to speak. They haven't been to confession in years. I think you brought that up earlier in the show. 
And I'd like to make a pitch right now that if you hadn't been to confession because of COVID in the last year, make the appointment. Call your local parish and say, Father, when can I come? Uh, you know, and if, if usually a priest will say, look, um, if you need to come now, here's a, here, I'll, I'll set an appointment with you. If not, they always usually have Saturday evening confessions. But I would even push the priest to say, Father, I can't wait till Saturday. That's good l- verbiage to tell the priest. I know because this is what the priesthood's about, you know, is about you know, mass and hearing confessions. I mean, you're not, don't think you're going to burden the priest. Bishop Strickland, am I on to something or do you think that uh, it's okay for lay people to just be real direct with their local parish priest and say, I need to go to confession? Absolutely. I've always told the priest in this diocese, and they're good about it, yeah. um, that when someone says, Father, can I go to confession? The answer is yes. <laughs> Not, well, sometime or later, yeah. but just yes. Make it happen. Right on. And our priests are good about doing that. And I will say this. I had Real Estate for Life on yesterday, and um, they tell me they have 12 different families that moved to Tyler, Texas, through <laughs> our website, uh, which is kind of fun. And uh, one of them I know was a good friend of ours who got a, a teaching job in a classical school in Tyler, Texas. So it's a great place to live. And I would recommend, uh, if you're a young family listening, get out of California. Uh, that's my suggestion to my kids because of the uh, wickedness that's going on in, in California. And I think that if you can find a state that uh, allows more freedom, especially religious freedom, go there and then find a bishop who's going to teach, govern, and sanctify. That's Tyler, Texas. Bishop Strickland, <laughs> how about a final blessing? And I didn't get paid a commission to say that. <laughs> the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all listening and all involved in this radio program, especially in these Easter days. Help us to rejoice in this Easter season and continue to sing Alleluia yeah, yeah. to celebrate the resurrection of your Son. And we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. Don't forget, we've got lots of events coming up on Virgin Most Powerful's website. The men's conference is coming up on the 11th of June. We also have a evangelization conference on the 15th of May. It's all virtual. You're welcome to check us out at virginmostpowerfulradio.org. May God richly bless you and your family. And at this Easter season, keep the faith, pass the faith on. And God love you. We hope to see you next time. And don't forget, you can listen to any of these shows on podcasts by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. God love you.